You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. I want to talk to you tonight about a woman. I love reading the Bible and visualizing the conversations Jesus has with people. Uh, sometimes people talk and it's like God has this long conversation with them. Uh, in my life now, 40 years born again, my conversation with God's very brief and to the point, very direct. When, I, when God called me to Bloomington, He said this to me, run for me or I'll find another. A lot of things God said to me audibly. When I saw the gates of hell and I saw the valley of decision and I saw that lion of the tribe of Judah roar over the valley, the nations, the lost people, and I realized my calling is an urgent one. That's why maybe I'm a bit intense for some pastors who, who want to play in shallow waters. And I say it, not respectfully, factually. Because Joel chapter 3 follows Joel chapter 2 after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible is very clear. It says, wake up the mighty man, prepare for war. It means the attitude in the church has to be a different attitude. We are here to plunder hell and populate heaven. We are here to beat our plowshares into swords, our spear, spear, uh, pruning hooks into spears. We are here for the weak to say, let the weak say I'm strong. You know, people go around and all they, they say is I'm strong. That, that scripture has context. And I like scripture I like context of Scripture. Because there's a lot of people weak that say I'm strong and they're never going to be strong because they're disconnected from the purpose of Christ. God gives you strength for His purpose. God does not give you strength for your purpose. So you can go to Hawaii, you can go to Honolulu, you can, you can, you can go sleep, you can take whatever you want to. You're not going to find strength outside of God's purpose. Because when we define grace, grace empowers you for your purpose. And if you look at the life of Jesus Christ, He turned the whole world side upside down in three years. That's all it took Him, three years. He was a young man. So I study the gospel and I watch the conversations He has. With a man, it was very direct. That's why what the world is advocating now, that men has to be emasculated, demasculated, whatever you want to call it, is nonsense. God needs strong men. God needs men who are not confused. God needs men who are strong. God needs men who will stand up. Come on, is there a brother in the house who can say, oh, hurrah, yeah, tonight? God, God, God needs a man. Yes, we need women. But Jesus liberated women 2,000 years ago. There's no movement on the earth now liberating women. You've been liberated by Christ years ago. But we don't need weak men in the church. And we don't need the men in the church to look uh, uh, confused. Okay, that's just to warm you up, upset you. So let's talk. Um, um, you know strength, you see it. People respond to strength. People respond to courage. When God calls Joshua, He commands him to be strong and courageous. There's no place for weakness. No place. Not if we're going to get the job done and bring in the end time harvest. There's no place to be undecided. There's no place to sit on the fence because the fence belongs to the devil. There's no place to, to one day foot in the church, the next day foot in the world. It, it's not going to fly, my brother. It's not going to fly. You have to make up your mind where you stand. It's like this young guy that was sitting on the fence from Cape Town somewhere um, and people were standing on the one side 
and on the other side, and here comes the devil, or first Jesus comes, because he comes first, okay? And he calls everybody in the one side of the fence, he says, you come, follow me, and there they go. And the young guy looks at it, he says, ah, that's interesting. A few moments later, the devil comes and he says, all you on this side, you come to me. And his demons took them and had to go with him. The young man thought, hmm, I still have time. Next minute, the devil came back, sent a demon, grabbed him off the fence and said, you belong to me because you never made a decision. Listen to me tonight, buddy. Listen to me tonight, my friend. Listen to me tonight, young girl. It's an urgent hour. You have one life. You have to make it count. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. Your father has no guarantee of tomorrow. I've seen young people die. I've seen old people die. I've seen rich people die. I've seen poor people die. I've seen politicians die. I've seen beggars die. They die the same. They leave this earth the way they came. They leave naked. And tonight, the greatest thing we can do is to understand our assignment and to live this assignment exactly the way Jesus did. So let me help somebody to help somebody and let me help somebody here tonight. A conversation Jesus has with a woman. Um, if, you, if, you, if you study the Bible, you will see Jesus took time with women because they're different, right? I mean, God just put the man together and then He skillfully handcrafted the woman. I never believed in evolution until I got married because every five years, your wife evolves and you have somebody else, amen? <laughs> so you can stay interested. You say, who's this now? So when, when, when Jesus talks to a woman, he takes time, listen. If you watch his tone with men, the disciples, it was very directive. It was very intentional. It was go. It was row. It was get out of the boat. It was launch into the deep. It was go to the other side. He never mollycoddled his disciples. What we're trying to do in the church and we call it discipleship. No, he got you out of your, he, he touched you and he got you busy with your assignment. Our world, we need young people to grow up. We have 30 old olds that are still wet behind the ears. If I put this behind your ears, it's gonna come back sopping wet because you've never grown up. It's time for people to grow up. Time for the church to grow up. Listen, time for us to get busy with heaven's assignment. Time for us to change. Somerset West, time for us to go to regions beyond ourselves. Come on Cape Town in Jesus' name. Time for us to plunder hell and populate heaven. That's why we are here. And we have the recipe, we have the gospel, we have what every human being needs on planet earth. They don't need money, man. I've sat with top politicians, the top sportsmen, the wealthiest billionaires in South Africa, they're all the same. Everybody, whether you have money, whether you have power, you are the same. Let me tell you who you are, a piece of dust. And one day you'll go back to the dust. And I respect and honour you for what God's doing through your life. But your life is not about your titles, your crowns, your achievements. Your life is about honouring God and living for the glory of God and living for the purpose of God so that when you can stand before Jesus Christ one day, you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, you better say amen tonight so I can. Same old, same old. So let's 
talk about the three major needs in any human being and how Jesus addresses this. Because let's not forget, we have the remedy. I said we have the remedy for all the ills of mankind. When, when, when we meet with government officials and they talk about uh, 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 a moral regeneration, no program in the world can regenerate morality. Only the gospel of Christ can. No program in the world can eliminate crime. We can put more people in prison, harsher punishment. But listen, you're not going to change a person until you change the heart of that person. We need to get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, not preaching our favorite doctrines. We need to preach the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. Because every human being is lost. Every human being needs saving. Every human being is broken by life itself. Sitting here tonight, if you've lived long enough, you've been broken. And if you study the Bible, Luke chapter four, it's a very, very clear uh, 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 message that Jesus gives. He says, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. So without the gospel, you are spiritually lost, which leads to brokenness, which leads to captivity, which leads to imprisonment, which leads to bondage. And only Christ can open those prison doors and set you free. So if you've lived long in our country, because I'm not a, 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 a pulpit preacher, I get out among the people. I get out where people are hurting, etc. And I'll tell you tonight, you better get it. Get it, pastor. You want to build a church. Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the hurts of the people. People are hurting out there. People are broken out there. Kids are molested out there. People are poor out there. People are hungry out there. And, and I say this to our business people all the time because we have a lot of wealthy people in the church. And I said, if I was God, why must I bless you? Why? Why must I bless you with more money? Because you want it? Why must I give you a bigger church? Why are you praying what you're praying? More money for what? The money you have, you can't handle. The money you received, you're not faithful with. The money you have is taking you away from God. So the best thing that can happen to some people is they have to lose all their money. So they can get broken again and turn back to Christ. I'm not getting an amen for that, but you better hear me. Because this prosperity gospel is, is, is not the gospel. We preach the gospel of Christ. And as you seek first the kingdom of God, He says, I'll take care of your needs so that you can take care of the needs of other people in Jesus Christ. This serving Christ is not an enrichment scheme. This is following the cause of Christ that put Him on the cross. And if you will honour the cause of Christ, you will not build a building big enough that people will flock. The broken will come. The lost will come. The lonely will come. The prodigals will come. The backsliders will come because they will come and they will experience Christ who died on the cross for you and for me tonight. So let's talk about our assignment and how Jesus deals with one individual, a woman. We know women have to talk a lot, right? Um, 25,000 words a day on average. I think I have a lot of estrogen because I, need, I talk more than 25,000 uh, words a day. But um, women talk a lot. Amen. You better get ready, Joshua. Men are like, how was your day? Okay. How are you feeling? Huh? You watch three guys watch rugby or cricket, they watch for five hours and they don't say a word. 
So let's talk about the three most important things that should be the heart of every church, every believer, every pastor. Because if you get this, people will flock to you. If you put anything else above this, you're putting it above the assignment of Christ. And you can pray, you can fast, your church will not grow. I'm telling you, factual. Because God's not interested in working outside of His assignment, which is what He died for. He's not going to validate anything else. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to bless your business. Don't come and tell me Christ has blessed me. Yes, He has blessed you. But you want to walk in that blessing, you walk in the purpose of God. You walk in the will of God. That your life is not your own. You don't live for yourself. You're not the owner, you're the steward. So there's too much exaltation happening in the church. And too little sacrifice. Yes, God will build His house on top of every other house for influence. I understand the Bible prophetically. Daniel, the mountain of the Lord's house, will be established on every house. I'm not confused. I understand what God's busy with. But God's busy with people that are busy with His work. God's busy with people who are serious. Because I'll tell you something about God, as loving as He is, as merciful as it is, as, if, when it comes to kingdom business, you're not going to get a more focused person than God. And if you have a conversation with God, you're not going to have a more focused conversation with anybody than with God. It's a conversation that will shake you, that will put the fear of God in you, that will change you, that will arrange everything in your life. So people say, I spend time in the presence of God and they stay exactly the same. I know they never spend the time in the presence of God because a moment in God's presence will will define you. A moment in God's presence will redefine you like Paul the Apostle from a murderer, a persecutor, knocked off his horse. If he was on a horse, fell to the ground, and Jesus, he hears the voice of Jesus. And what is the first question that comes from Paul? He says, who are you, Lord? Most important question you can ask, who is Christ and who is you? Yes, we created in His image. But before we can know who we are, we better know who He is. He's Lord, He's King, He's Kurios, He's Boss, He's Master. Come on, if you love Him tonight, give Him a radical praise in this place. Come on, come on. And the second thing he, he says, what is, what, what is his response after God touches him? And you see that response from every person that is truly touched by God, whether he's a businessman, a doctor, a lawyer, he says, what is it that you want from me? Not God do this for me. How did we get confused that our prayer is God do this for me? Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Say, don't even worry about tomorrow. I don't want to say certain things because it's going to offend some of your faith. I won't say it. I never pray for myself, ever. I never pray for my needs. My needs are met. I know you say, give me my daily bread, but my word, move on from that. We have built buildings all over South Africa, 5,000, 6,000, building 3,000, 3,000-seaters auditoriums in our cash. I'm not saying to boast. I need to boast anything yet today. We do it cash. Without money, we do it because God tells us. And if we're in the purpose of God, the money always comes. We don't have to beg. We receive no offerings in our church. We don't plead for money. We don't have to have a building fund campaign. Because I learned long ago, long ago, if God's in it, it's settled. And God will always, if it's God's purpose, it will be done. 
If it's God's purpose, it will not kill you. If God is the center of it, God will take care of the bill. Somehow the, crow, the, the raven will come, the widow will come, somebody will come if you're in the purpose of God. And that's where we have to get this young generation, Generation Z, because the millennials are out for a stroll. We need to get Generation Z. We need to get them in the presence of God. Maybe they're gonna get serious about the things of God. Maybe they're gonna be the broken generation. Maybe they are gonna be those who will get back to the altar and cry out to God for the fire of God to fall upon them because the rest has been out with entitlement waiting just for something to happen and nothing is happening. You want God's attention, you need to be the hungrier person. Not talking about your salvation. Can't pray the praise everybody else prays because then you will look like everybody else. 20 minutes. John chapter 4, a woman of Samaria. She comes to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink? Verse 6 from the message. His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. And the well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob? Who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, what the world gives you, success, because it will offer you everything and it will leave you empty. Uh, listen, I've sat in the fanciest houses. I've sat with people trying to impress me with all the cars. I've got one guy in the church. If he buys one Rolls Royce, he buys two Rolls Royces, two this, two this. And uh, recently, young Fresno took me to his house and this painting costs this and this and this and this and this and this. Then I ate with all of them. I said, this is all wonderful, but you know, this all is staying behind. Let me tell you, I know you invited me here to be nice and I am nice, but I'm gonna be nicer than nice. I'm gonna tell you the truth because your life matters. Your life is not about your substance. Your life's not about all of this. Enjoy this, but your life is about what you're doing for God, not what people think about you. You may impress people down here, but my dear friend, you better make sure that you are impressing heaven and that you'll stand before Jesus one day and you live to stand before Jesus so you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Say amen tonight. So she says, and she says, the conversation goes on, he talks to her about relationships. He says, I have no husband, she said. He says, that's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five. You poisoned them all. I, I mean, I mean, how do we know what she did with them? The Bible doesn't say, but she had five. You don't want to marry that one. And it's okay if you had five husbands. Let's stop now. Okay, number six is going to be it. No, that's the mark of the beast. Okay, let's go skip six and go for seven. <laughs> and the man you're living with now is not your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. He's not judging or condemning her. He's positioning her. Oh, so you're a prophet. Where is von Eikerk? And now she gets religious. She's a sinner. She quotes the prophets like we all were before we were saved. Right? Elke hand het ek gebid, Heere vergeef my genadiglik, al my sonnes om die naam son wil. So dronk soos a tor. Geen verhouding met die Heere gehad nie. Ek kan Johannes 3 vers 16 kwoteer, want so lief het God die wereld gehad, het sy ene boer is hier gewees, so die ene verloor om nie verloor, maar gaan die verloor, ek kan die Ek kan het alles gekwoteer het, maar ek het die Heere nie geken nie. Godsdienstdag, 
En weet je waar as ek dronk was, het ek altijd gesê, en dan gaan ek een doom in die woord. Gespot. En die Heer het my gehoor. Te sê ja. Profiteer. Kom nou man, help my nou soblief. Hy ons, as ek in, as ek in Johannes Begrees Afrikaans, en dan kyk hulle van allemaal, denk jy, dan denk hulle ek sê racist. Dan praat ek as pris Afrikaans. Oh, so you're a prophet. Your answers worship God at this mountain. Hallelujah. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the place for worship. Cape Town. <laughs> he says, believe me, woman. The time is coming when you Samaritans, watch the tone of the conversation. He's testing her. He's bringing her to a place of having to make a decision because she's hiding behind religious barriers. She's lost. She's broken. She's messed up. Her life is a vacuum and yet she quotes the Bible. How are you? I'm blessed and I know that I am. Now your face told us you were born on a long weekend, right? <laughs> Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither yeah. At this mountain, you don't have to go get a piece of the cross in Jerusalem or anointed oil from a prophet on television or a prayer cloth that somebody charges you money for. That's just another form of sangomahism. That's my English word for the day that we're now practicing in Africa. You don't pay for prayer. Lady called me once, she said, please, God blessed me with a new car. Will you come and pray for me? I said, to pray for the car, I said, no, if you can't drive, my prayer is not going to help. Thank you, girl. Thank you, woman. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. Gospel is there for the Jew first. We are grafted in as Gentiles. We are privileged. Therefore, we should be more devoted than an Orthodox Jew in the way we serve God. Not this cruisomatic, charismatic, gracematic, crazomanic move that people are on. That there's no urgency. Well, I don't want this heavy. Well, it cost Jesus everything. He carried the weight of the world. So there's no just go with the flow. You in it or not? There's, there's no grace for partial surrender. Partial surrender does not exist. There, there's, there's no biblical teaching where sacrifice is not involved. It does not exist in the Bible. Jesus never taught a gospel, oh come and be blessed. And He ended the conversation there. Never, not once. We do. He never did. He always left people responsible, accountable with the knowledge they received to go impact other people. Never was it, oh, come all you faithful. It was go into all the world. Go into the highways, go into the byways. Freely you receive, freely give. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, do the possible. Go and make the world a better place. Come on, you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Ons is nie bezig om hier uit die kaap uit te trek as voortrekkers 
op pad na tal toe en sing hoe die boere sit, sit so nie, die daar is voorbij. Nou trek jylle mense terugkaap toe en jylle het nou weer gewold soos hoe rij die boere sit, sit so. En jylle die ander mense beinvloed en allemaal sit, 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 so. Jylle moet die kaap red mense. You must save the cape. You must save the people. You must save the people. You must plunder hell. You must get out of your comfort zones. Your churches must be filled in the name. Come on, say amen in Jesus' name. It says you worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming and it has in fact come when you when when what you called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here in, at this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. Excuse me for reading that again. He says... But the time is coming, it is in fact come when what you called will not matter, but where you go and worship will matter. It's who you are and the way you live that counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in pursuit of truth, who is Jesus Christ. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is a sheer being itself, a spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, in adoration. He has to become your everything. He has to become your everything. He cannot become part of your life. He has to become your everything. He has to become the pearl of great price. He has to become your alpha and omega. He has to become the light of, oh, come on. He has to become the light of your light. He has to become your bright and morning star. He has to become your way, your truth and your life. He's not part of the way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life in Jesus' name. He's everything. And if we will serve Him as everything and not serve Him and then go, then you are going to start influencing other people. Because young people, listen to me, your purity is your greatest witness. I'll say it again. Your purity is your greatest testimony. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, purpose not to defile themselves by, the, by this world. I'm not talking about religious. I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking about living for Christ, being the Christian, being the salt, being the light. Understanding you have an assignment that your life matters. Your life matters to others. And if you live this Christ life passionately, you become the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. You become the hope of the world. You bring healing to a broken world. You bring deliverance to people that are bound. That's the church that God wants in Jesus' name. He doesn't need an army. Needs a few radical people that are sold out that go beyond the status quo, that stop following mediocre, lukewarm, half-hearted, no passion, no zeal, no fervor, no anointing. That's not good enough. Because what the world has in certain dimensions are much better than anything the church will ever produce. Listen very carefully. The music, you'll never be as good as what the world produces. Uh, uh, certain things in the world, but we have what they don't have. We have the anointing. We have the glory of God. We have the power. Oh, come on. We have the power. Oh, come on. We have the power of God. We have the presence of God. We have the love of Jesus Christ. We have what this world doesn't have. And we need to carry it with fervor, with dignity, with conviction. So people see, he was blind, now he sees. Not he was blind, now he's half blind. Uh, 
People say, I'm saved. You look at them, you wonder from what? Nothing changed. When Jesus comes, everything changes. If you truly encounter Christ. We're not talking about little Jesus here. When you talk about the Saviour, and every human being needs to be saved. Every human being needs to be saved. Every human being needs to be saved. Listen to me. Your mother, your grandmother, your auntie, your womb, your nachi, your niaf, your fenuat. Because people without Christ will go to hell. It's not a game. I saw the gates of hell. I saw people perish. I saw people burn. I had a vision. I saw it. It's not a game. Been with people in their hospital beds in the last hour. Begged them to give their life to Jesus. And some of them mocked and scoffed God with their final breath. Listen, if you're sitting out tonight and your life is not right with Christ and you refuse to give your life to Christ, you are the same as that man that I prayed for in a hospital bed tied to that bed and the family wept and everybody prayed. And I said, Worm, sir, please give your life to Jesus. And he shook that whole bed. He said, Nia. I said, give your life to Jesus. I said, Nia. I said, give your life to Jesus. I said, Nia. And that's how he died. Now don't tell me today he was a good person. He's lost forever. Because he never chose God's path to salvation. Yes, we can have joy. But what joy is there if your friends all go to hell? What superficial joy are we talking about? I'm tired of the fake. I'm tired. Listen, not tired. Feel like I haven't started. But I'm tired to look at all the fake. And the purpose of Christ is not central. And the people sitting, they don't even realise it. So he's having this conversation with this woman. She gets religious in this conversation. The woman took a hint, left. And in her confusion now, Jesus rattled her. Hello? We don't like to be rattled, do we? She left her water pot. Forgot why she came to church. Because Jesus had a direct conversation with her. Back in the village, she told the people, come see my man. Come see a man who knew all things I did. Who knows me inside out. Do you think that this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see her, him for themselves. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking a Samaritan woman for a drink? Backtracking quickly. So when you, when you look at Jesus sitting with this woman, he touches the three greatest needs in every, every human being. Number one is spiritual need. You were created by God and you were created for God and you will never, 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 never be a complete person while that connection is not established, ever. This woman is living with five husbands. She's religious. She knows the prophets. Jesus has a conversation with her and the barrier goes up like people do to me as well. I talk to people in gym. I gym hop because I get bored going to the same gym because I witness to everybody. Then I go to another gym and witness to those people go to another gym so I can be among sinners because I like sinners actually. I don't like just being around Christians. 
especially if they get all religious and they get all like uh, a preacher, you know, and they have this religious talk. Jesus was a friend of sinners. People were comfortable with Jesus Christ. When He walked around, people didn't say, oh, there's the bishop, there's Bishop Jesus. Ooh, Bishop Jesus, Bishop Jesus, Bishop Jesus. No, He was Jesus. He was a carpenter. He was relatable. He drank with the wine, He sat with the wine bibbers. He sat with the gluttons. He was known as a friend of sinners. He was out there in the world. He was relatable. But when He operated, the anointing of God was right there. Sometimes we think the anointing is this halo or it is something we have to carry or we have to carry a big donkey or we have to have a certain uh, demeanor to look anointed. Pastor, people cannot relate with that. With that. I mean, some young guys who all call themselves prophets came to visit the church and they saw, I go out 15 minutes before the service, I'm among the people, shake the hands of people everywhere, greet people and they think, doesn't it affect the anointing on you? Man, I was anointed when I sat on the toilet this morning. Do you understand? <laughs> so he addresses a spiritual need, which is the biggest need for any human being. I was lost. I don't forget it. I never forget the 14th of November, 1982, when I got saved. Walked in with a hangover. I never forget it. Every time I give an altar call, I see myself getting saved. Every time. I'll never forget it. Ever forget how lost I was. How broken I was. How messed up I was. How angry I was. How racist I was. How everything about me was dysfunctional. Angry at the world. Arrest, whatever. The bad things, which I'm not a, a, a proud of. But I walked into a meeting and I felt the love of God. Something I never knew was the love of God. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it changed me. It didn't take 10 years to change. He, cha he saved me. Because that's what He does. He saves you. He saves you out of the pit of sin. He saves you. He washes you. He cleans you. Then He puts you in a church so you can receive teaching and your mind is renewed so you can, you can live the life that God has for you. So He addresses her spiritual need. She gets all religious, quotes the Bible, it cuts through the chase. This is not about a religion. This is a relationship. A relationship with God. What you need is a relationship with God. Nothing else is gonna fill the void on the inside. Not another girlfriend. She had five husbands. She was living with another man. So she tried to fill that void with relationships. Another man. But every day she woke up in bed with somebody else. She lost a little bit more of herself. She was a broken person. Like people in our world are broken. Number two, she was an outcast. She was a social outcast. She was a Samaritan. Like the apartheid South Africa looked down upon. As a matter of fact, when the disciples came back, we skipped that portion of Scripture, they looked at Jesus and they thought to themselves, what is He doing speaking to this kind of a woman? She was classed. The Jews looked at Samaritans as dogs. And we still have that problem in South Africa. Sometimes pastors come to me, I'm not liked by everybody, but I say it as it is. And I always will till I'm in a hole one day. And then I, my bones are still gonna cry out to this next generation. They're gonna remember, okay? And uh, they come to me and say, uh, we want our church to grow. What must we do? I say, open your doors, man. They say, what do you mean open yours? I say, stop being an all white church in South Africa. Open your doors and let people come in. Open your doors and let the poor come in. Open your doors and let people come in. Because that's what the church is about. The church 
is God's dwelling place and everybody is welcome. And if you allow your, your people that pay the bills to control, manipulate you, my brother, the hand of God will lift from your church. The hand of God will lift from your church. Because if you will take care of the least, God will pay the bill. If you try to reach the billionaire, he's not gonna come to your church. If you take care of the least, if you love the least, if you love those that Jesus died for, then Jesus will bless you. Jesus will grace you. Jesus will favour you. Come on, I'm talking to the converted here tonight. Come on, say Amen in Jesus' Name. So she's a social outcast. Our greatest need is for social acceptance, sick after our need for God's unconditional love. She's a social outcast. I mean, people do weird things to be accepted, right? Social media, selfie from up here, girl, hello. Why are you doing it from up there? Notice me, notice me, notice me. The whole world is about me, 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 me. Then we preach in church and it's about me, 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 me. Then a man like me gets up and says, it's not about me, 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 me. It's about people outside of you. It starts with you, but it better not stay with you. It starts with you. It better go to your world, to your friends. Like this woman, when she found Christ, she lost, left her water pot and she ran to the village and she told everybody and she had a revival. Listen, a woman that was an outcast, a woman that was broken, a woman that was a reject, a woman that had five husbands, a woman who had given up on men, a woman who felt unworthy. If you put her through a psychological profile, what would it be? What would the psychiatrist say? They would say there was no hope. But I'll tell you, when Jesus touched her. He fixed her mind like that man of the Gadarenes. He lifted her up. He loved her like she was never loved. The stench and the stain of sin did not deter Jesus from Him because I'll tell you, there's nothing in this world that will separate you from the love of God. No matter how low you go, you are going to find the love of God there. No matter how high you go on your cocaine, snorting, drinking, you're going to find the love of God. David said, if I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings and dwell in the uttermost parts of the earth, even there your hand will lead and guide me. Darkness and light are both alike unto you. God, wherever I am, you are God, wherever I am, you are. I tell you this evening, my dear brother, my sister, God is with you in your hellhole. God is with you in your brokenness. God is with you wherever you are. And God is not against you. God has not turned His back on you. He shed His blood for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved. He's not your judge. He did not judge that woman. He saved that woman. He liberated that woman. He loved her where she was, as she was, for who she was. He didn't tell her, you fix yourself. You get yourself good enough for me. No. He loved her where she was. Our world needs a church that will love them where they are, who they are, as they are, and they'll come running. Shout Amen in Jesus' Name. She's a social outcast. She's a Samaritan. Sometimes white people are living in the battle, and they want to live in the deal with other people. Yeah, going to be a tune trap, but God will heal, because your heart is verkeerd. You will swart mense out your life out slight, and you think you're gerechtfertig. Too many swart mense in the church, pastor. Rarig, go in the heaven and come. In our church, I hear all the time, we're too black because we're black members. Then I hear we're too white because I'm the white pastor. And uh, just reality check, please. I've never seen a white person in my life 
There's a white shirt there. So stop this black, white rubbish because it's rubbish. It's skin, skin pigmentation. It features not in heaven. As a matter of fact, God doesn't even know your colour because God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on your heart. He doesn't even know what your skin colour is. And, and, and can I just correct you quickly? I am peach pink. So I take offence when people call me white. You're colorblind. I've never seen a black person in my life. We like to class, right? We like to follow the politicians that bring division. Well, Jesus died to bring unity. You read about the Bible, every tongue, tribe, nation is there. And you have a problem with people down here. How the heck are you going to get up with people in heaven if you make it? Please let the co-view see. Act as Adam, Johannes, Jacobus, Bosov. Bosov, you tell me who Bosov is. The Bosovs come from the far rechts and rechts and rechts. My father was the brother bonders. He was the brother bonder party. Let me tell you a nice story. As Afrikaners, I say as Afrikaners. I don't even want to talk about Afrikaners. Come out of that time. Deep gewortel. Come out of that time. And when the Lord called me, then he called me. Because I was racistic. And I had a pastor, I had a pastor always say, we're not called to the black people. Well, that rubbish is still here. Today there are black people looking at, at peach pink people and think we don't need you. Hey, listen, Jack, you go. Because I'm staying. You don't need me, you leave. I'm staying. Thank you very much. You have a problem, now you the racist. Thank you. You get over yourself as well. As much as the white or the peach pink person has to get over himself, everybody has to get over themselves so we can see the glory of God come in this country and stop playing our games in the church because the congregation can see it. They see it. People are lost, man. They lost. The church is there to heal the world. The church is not there for political gain. The church is not there for cultural influence. The church is not there to make a, a colour statement. We are here for the glory of God. We are here to establish the kingdom of God. We are here to be the hope of the world. We are here to be the middle ground. We are here with a message of hope and reconciliation, which is the cross, horizontal and vertical, right? And then the, the, the last thing is... Um, Love and acceptance, the greatest need in any human being. Love me. Oh, we criticize one another. You know, before I got saved, if I wasn't saved, 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 I'd be out of church long ago. Because before I got saved, my friends and I were like this. You, you smash me, I smash you. I mean, you smash me, my friend smashes you. The church. Yeah, there are some good Christians, but most Christians. We're not like this man. Every pastor has a go to another pastor. Everybody's jealous about everybody else who has got more than they. And, and, and what the heck is that? Are you Joseph's brother? Are you the jealous brother? Are you the gossiper, the slanderer, the opinionated person? Listen, if you're busy with the work of God, you don't have time to talk about anybody else. When, when Peter spoke to Jesus about John, Jesus, I'm not talking about John. I'm not talking about John. You follow me. Build your church, man. Get busy. Get busy with your kingdom business. Get busy. Stop looking what everybody else is doing. Mind your own life. Mind your own business. 
Grow your church. Learn from those who are bigger than you. I mean, uh, Dr. Dave Martin teaches business people. Learn from those that are bigger than you. In the church, pastors with small churches cannot learn from anybody because I have the Holy Ghost. If somebody's built something a hundred times bigger than you, I suggest you don't criticize him. You find out how he did it and you learn and you humble yourself and you go learn. You go learn. You get off your pedestal and you go learn. You go learn. I mean, we've got a trillion churches in South Africa with no impact. Best thing that can happen to half of them is they must close down. Because they're not called by God. So, this Bible, this Gospel, God's very direct, put His Son on the cross to die for us. And He died with His arms open wide, whoever. And this woman is hurt, broken. Pastors, Congregation members, if you'll get out of your little Christian world, which I suggest you do, because some of you just smell like Christianese, which is not a good thing. Your talk, your friends, everything is Christian, 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 Christian. You know, when people come to me and say, I'm praying to work in a Christian company. A company, I want to puke. Who wants to work for a Christian company? When you leave there, it should be a Christian company. But your prayer should not be, I want a Christian boss. No, that Christian boss is going to pay you the least in any case. It's like we're in this holy huddle. Like, and that's not who God called us to be. That's why we're not strong. And I'm not speaking death, okay? I know what we're meant to be. And people can come, it's like somebody's preaching and saying, Jesus does everything, we have to do nothing. Okay, let's just all sit down. Never go back to your work, never go back to your job. Just go sit at home and let's see Jesus do everything. Please just use the brain God gave you. Without insulting you, nothing is going to happen in this world without us. Jesus ascended into the heavens. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If we don't make decisions and build buildings and, and have crusades and do things, nothing is going to happen. He builds the church through us. We are co-workers, co-laborers. So if He says, I will build my church, it is, I will pray for you. You do the job. You do the going. You do the believing. You do the sowing. You do the casting out. You launch out the net. You go tell your friends about Jesus Christ. You do what you can. Then I will do what you cannot do. But somehow we think prayer is putting the, 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 the responsibility back with God. Well, how about this prayer tonight? We believe. We believe is right. Father, save the whole world in Jesus' name. Amen. By tomorrow, six o'clock. Amen. Yeah, what's the problem with that prayer? Think. Thank you. Save my city. How? Get your people off their blessed assurances. We're believing for revival. What's that? Define that. Believing for a move of God. What, quantify. There's no move until you move. 
So we, we believe in God for a breakthrough. How? God said, move. At the sound of, of the wind and the mulberry trees. You move. You get going. You launch out. You lower the net. You do the possible. We want to change this nation, family. We, 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 we face many giants in this country. And it's like the church, who is the hope, very often because our preaching is wrong from the pulpits. I'm not criticizing pastors. I try to, 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 to um, do what God told in Joel chapter 3, to quicken people. We cannot be preaching certain messages when we are in a certain season. The season determines the message. The season determines the pastor's profile from the pulpit. You have to get it, four faces. The season, the urgency determines your function. You walk with God, you change. Eagle, ox, man, lion. Now we need a lion. So he's the lion, but he's the lamb. And with this woman, you see both. And then you see the absolute love that he has for her. The prodigal son. When he comes back, the father runs to him. Because the stench, the stain, the smell of sin did not deter the love of the father. The Father embraced him where he was, as he was. And I'll tell you the same tonight. You're not going to change yourself. You're not going to break the cycle of sin, the cycle of addiction. You're never going to do it. What you need is an honest conversation. And that's why this is a long conversation. Because Jesus covered all three points. He covered them all until He reached her heart. And she said, I have found the Messiah. And she left her water pot. And her life was changed by one conversation with the Messiah. And immediately she had to go tell the whole world. When our people are in love with Jesus, we don't need evangelistic classes and motivational seminars. You've just got to tell somebody. I mean, you met, he's getting married now. I mean, when I came here yesterday, he introduced her to me immediately. It's not like he had to go on a course to introduce her to me. And I have to motivate him. Come on, Joshua. Come on, Joshua. Come on, Joshua. Tell me about your fiance. Come on, Joshua. Joshua, come on, Joshua. Joshua, come here. Let me pray for you. So you can tell me about your fiance. Come on, Joshua. Get some fire to tell me about the, the girl that you're going to get married. What the heck is wrong with us? Because if it's really real to us, we will not be so casual. We call him the love of our life. But we need somebody to tell us, to tell us, to tell us, to tell people, to tell tell people that actually I'm not an FBI Christian. I'm not an undercover Christian. I'm not a submarine Christian. I'm actually a born again Christian. My brother get filled with the Holy Ghost again. My brother get filled with the Holy Ghost again. My sister get filled with the Holy Ghost again. Get filled with the passion of God again. Go tell people about Christ, your Savior again. Get back to your first love again. And make this world a better place. Come on. The more you tell people, the more that fire is going to burn. People are waiting for you. People are broken. People are lost. People are bound. You are the answer. You are the person. You are the generation. God has called you for this hour. You are the watchman. Come on. Let's arise. Let's shine. Let's be the church. Let's be the people of God that burn with a passion that took Jesus Christ to the cross to die for you and for me 2,000 years ago. This is who we are.
People matter to God and people should matter to us. We are in the people business. We are in the soul saving business. This is who we are. People are going to hell without Christ Jesus. Let's stir up this passion like this woman. She accepted Christ. Nobody sent her on an evangelistic course. She ran and told everybody. When I got saved, first person I told was my girlfriend. Left church, I said, I found Jesus. She looked at me like, what are you talking about? Because I wasn't a church goer. I didn't put my foot in church. Told my friends. They said, ah, it's another craze. It's not gonna last. Didn't stop telling people from that day. Still do. That is everything. When we drive through here and I drive with these people, I tell them, look at this little girl. Look at that child. Look, because I see them all the time. I see them living on your doorstep, broken, lost, fragile. We're living in a hurt world, man. A broken world and we have the answer. Our young people are broken. Our women in this country are broken. We have the remedy. We have Jesus. Please take your seat for a moment, just for a moment. Maybe that fire has to be rekindled tonight. Maybe tonight Jesus talks to the church. He says, you've lost your first love. That's not Him judging. That's Him saving because He always will be Savior. We need saving all the time. We need saving from ourselves. We need saving from our old ways. We need saving from stagnation. We need saving from wrong direction. We need saving from losing our purpose. Hear me tonight. Hear me very clearly, please. I beg you for the sake of people that you know that without Christ will go to hell. We need Him to open our eyes, anoint our eyes with fresh salve so that we will keep the main thing, the main thing, which is people. What does the prophet of man if against the whole world and loses himself? What will man give in exchange for his soul? What is it that you think will be better? And then Christians that look back at the world and think, I've, I've given up something. You've given up nothing for Jesus. Get over yourself, please. Oh, I gave up a lot for Jesus. You gave up death, sin, hell. You gave up nothing. You found life. God's talking to many of you tonight you, on the fence. I say to people all the time because um, it's like people preach repentance before salvation. Totally unscriptural. Repentance is a result of salvation. Otherwise you can save yourself. Get your doctrine straightened out, please. Your legalism will save nobody. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works. So fruit of repentance follows salvation, which is a free gift. You don't repent and get saved. The only repentance Jesus preached was repent and believe the gospel, which means change your mind and believe that you need to be saved. And the only way to be saved is through believing the gospel. There's no other way you save yourself. You don't clean up your act. Repentance is a result of salvation, which is the process of sanctification which is the work of the Holy Spirit, which is a continuous journey. It's not three steps. 
Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.